Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. We just want to say thank you to anyone and everyone who supports anything that we got going on. But a special shout out to all of our students from Buy the Hood University, as well as the youth from the Buy the Hood ownership camp. Um, this camp is you know, wrapped up and it was an amazing experience. So just want to say thank you to all the parents as well as the students for participating in this year's camp. I'm joined by my partner in crime as always, Core. Core, what's up with you, good brother? What's really good? Every day above ground is a good day, so let's go get it. Absolutely. And as you know, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing positive work in the community. Um, and we want to make sure that we, you know, let them share their stories, talk about their businesses. And the sister that we have on right now is building amazing businesses, but also helping others along her journey as well. So we want to introduce Camille to you guys. Camille, how are you? Hi, good morning, everyone. I'm great. Just moving with good intentions and in thankfulness. Absolutely. And listen, um, you know, the work that you're doing and we got a chance to like, you know, see you up in person um, at, at uh, Better Than Success um, is amazing. Um, your brand Legacy Builders is, is, is very powerful. I follow everything that you got going on online. So I definitely want to have you on to tell your story um, because I know a lot of people could resonate or understand your stories. So let's start from the very, very beginning. Where are you from? Where are you born and raised? So I'm from North Philly, um, like literally in the center of North Philly, 19132, right off of 16th and Huntington. I was about to say, you got to tell us exactly. When you say yeah. North Philly, like people be like, <laughs> North Philly. Right. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. was, was from that North Philly. Yeah, I'm yeah. from that. I'm from, I'm from North Philly, you know, with an F. Got you, got you. Okay. <laughs> so what kind of student were you coming up? Like, um, what was your upbringing like? So my upbringing, I was um, raised by my single father and his um, mother played like a big role in it too. But I went to Catholic school my whole life from pre-K all the way to eighth grade, straight A student, top of my class, always an overachiever. What school did you go to? What Catholic school was it? St. Martin de Porres on 22nd and Lehigh. Okay. okay. And then from there, I went to Mass Farm for like one year. It was like, hmm, first time in public school wasn't quite, you know, the vibe for me as a person. So I dug in deep and found somewhere. I ended up graduating from Rittenhouse Academy as valedictorian. And it was nice. like a spruce. So you had, so you were, you know, pretty smart and pretty ambitious as a young person. Was that something that was instilled in you from home or or, or were you always just like, um, you know, a self-starter? I was always a self-starter, but definitely, you know, built in me from home. Like I said, I was raised by a single father. He was a, ran a contractor business. And I just always saw him just out here, just, you know, making it work. As I said, you know, I'm from North Philly with an F, like the real hood. And it was always about just doing better. Always challenging myself to be the best me as possible at all times. Okay. So when you graduate as valedictorian, what's the next step in your journey? What do you do right after that? So I was 16. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. You graduated high school at 16? <laughs> oh, you, you really you really was out here getting yeah, to the books. <laughs> yeah, you, was, you, was, you was beating them books in the head. Okay, so so yeah. 16, so what happened then? So 16, and it was like, okay, 
what's next for me? Um, I've always had to work. My dad philosophy was if you want something, you got to work for, you know, back and we were in the same age. It was, you know, tree, everybody wore trees, everybody wore Tums. I said, you know, dad, I want a pair of boots. He said, okay, how much? I said, you know, a buck 20. He said, right, I got 60. You got to come to work tomorrow to make the other 60. I was like, oh man, you know, to getting dirty. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't quite my field where I wanted to be, even though I was on a construction site my whole life because he didn't really have a babysitter. But I started doing hair. I braided everybody here in the neighborhood, like all the hood guys. I braided back, you know, PD crack here back in the day, just everybody. So once I graduated high school, I went, like I said, I went to Mass Farm for a little bit. That didn't work out. I went to Berean Institute on 19th and Gerard. Mm -hmm. And I went to community at the same time. I um, finished Berean, got all my hours to take my state exam for a cosmetologist, passed that um, community. It was like, okay, what do I want to do going forward? I didn't see myself um, progressing when I start seeing, you know, the loans and the payments adding up. I'm like, this is not where I want to spend my money at. Yeah. My time is very, very viable. I understand my knowledge. You know, this is 17 year old Camille speaking at this point. I was like, what can I do? So I started going to New York, um, doing here. I worked in a hair salon in Center City called Afrogenics, and they had a shop in New York. And I traveled back and forth to do that until I got pregnant. I got pregnant at 17. And it was, you know, a really, really rough pregnancy, which was hard at that point. It being, you know, a young female, mm -hmm. I wasn't single. I was with, um, you know, my daughter's father, who I ended up marrying. And it was just like, all right, what's next? And I did a million things. I have a CDL driver. Once I decided I stay home for two years with her, start working for the school district. It was like, okay, I need benefits, but I still need to own my time. That mm -hmm. was my, always my ultimate goal from 16, probably even before that. What do I need to do so I can own my time? That was part of why I left Mass Mom and went to Renton House Academy and figured out ways to pay that tuition because I knew I needed to cut this down. I needed to make it shorter. I only got four years to get these people. I need to own my time. So that has always been my mindset. What moves do I need to make? What sacrifices do I need to make to be able to own my time? Mm. So let me ask you this question, though. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of the skill set with, with the hair, was that something that you always were blessed with or you just picked it up at that time? Or like when you were a little kid, where did you like, you know, because it sounds like you got pretty good at it. So, yeah, I, I did. I got really, really good at it. I worked on um, different movie sets, modeling sets. You know, we worked with next top models, all type of people. But as a little girl, I was always into Barbies. I was always into, you know, being cute and stylish. Even in my construction clothes, I think I'm trying to be a little cute and stylish out here when y'all see me on Instagram and my bonnet. <laughs> <site. laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, from like I did everybody here. I started. So my grandma allowed me to turn her little bedroom into my hair salon. And this was at 14. Mm. So at 14, I had like a full business, a full hair business going on. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So now and, 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 and throughout this journey. So one thing I just learned is that, you know, your father was into construction. So that kind of was like instilled in you very early. Um, very, very early. Yeah, so, it's, it's, too. so it's interesting to see, like, you know, um, the transition into, into mm -hmm. the, you know, the builder and investor that you've become. Um, but tell us about that journey. So now you're, you're working different jobs and you're trying to figure things out. You're going through your journey. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you have your uh, your baby. Um, yeah, I have my baby. I'm going through my journey. I'm driving the school bus. I'm doing here on the side. My husband, you know, and to be, to be very transparent, at that point, my husband was still, you know, pretty much in the streets. Mm -hmm. But once we had our daughter, that's when he made that pivot 
Okay. To say, okay, this is not, you know, the life I want to live. I this was the life I had to do to survive. We were now looking to start living. So and I was gonna ask you that question. I was gonna ask you, like, how did having that kid that young, how did it change like you? I guess both of you guys, but yeah. you already gave you already told me that it, it kind of got him out of the street. What did it do to you um as a for, as a mother? For me as a mother, as a well, I had her at 18, as an 18-year-old unmarried mother, it made me go harder, like it made me go hard. People who used to think, you know, as a kid, I grinded. I no longer was that child. I now had rent, car, you know, car insurance. Got to make sure she's good. And at the same time, my overall goal was still ownership of my time. I never mm -hmm. wanted anybody to tell me what to do. I, I always had an issue where I got to ask you to take a day off to go to the beach. That, you know, that doesn't sit, never sat right with my spirit. So even as that 18-year-old young mom was like, all right, what do you got to do? You got to go harder. Like you gotta hit it hard. Um, sacrifice. I didn't do any of like you know the wild parties with my friends. I didn't do any of those type of things that my other um, cohorts and you know my age group were doing. Mm -hmm. I was working. I was grinding. I was sitting there thinking. Even when it looked like I wasn't working, I was reading. I was studying. I was networking before networking was networking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like before that was a thing. My first apartment I got, I was just over I was always in awe of meeting people who own properties. Mm -hmm. How did y'all do it? It was just always, you know, how? What do I need to do? What do I need to make me look like on paper? Yeah. To, be able to get this. So those was always my questions as an 18 year old, and especially once I had my daughter, was because at the end of the day, looking at her, I can't let her see me fail. Mm -hmm. I can't um, fall into the stereotypes of uh, um, a young mom who had, you know, a child out of wedlock, who teenager. I can't I couldn't fall into any of those. I already knew, you know, college wasn't going to be like my long forte, but I knew I still had to be successful to me. And it was a matter of determining what that looked like. And having her made me really, really sit down and come up with a strategy. Yeah. And, you know, one thing um, about like being in cosmetology, I'm, that's like the greatest place to network. Right. Absolutely. I always tell my barber, I say, yo, you're the most connected person I know. You know, somebody from like every walk of life. Every you know walk I mean? of life. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you got killers in the chair and you got cops and then you got attorneys <laughs> and then you got like builders. Life. Yeah. You, you, you're the most connected person at every level of mm -hmm. life. But um, so, man, that's that's an interesting journey um, that you went through. But let me ask you this question, because you're asking people specifically about properties and, and how they got to own properties. What mm -hmm. was it that made you interested in real estate in the first place? Was it the, the upbringing with your father in construction or was it something else that made you ask those specific questions? So the spark for me was something happened like in one of my neighbor's houses and they wanted my dad to fix it. But they kept saying the landlord and I couldn't understand I said, the landlord, y'all lived here, didn't your kids grow up with my dad? You've been living in this house for 30 years. What do you mean a landlord? Mm -hmm. So, and that's when my dad was like, shut up, Camille, you know, shut up. But <laughs> later, <laughs> later on, we had the conversation because my family always owned their homes. So that's, yes. you know, all I knew. The conversation, you had the conversation with me that some people are long-term renters, that they're willing to stay in a home and pay rent for 30 and 40 years and pass it down through their through their generations. Yeah. So that made me, and I'm like, I was still in St. Martin, so I wasn't even out of eighth grade when I started talking to the landlords. Okay. When they were coming to pick up the rent. Like I said, I always sat back and looked. Even when I didn't look like I was working, I was working. And I was set set back and look, and I figured out, okay, you come to the beginning of every month, oh, you know, Miss Jewish lady, you know who I need to talk to. Mm-hmm. 
So I start asking those questions before high school. Yeah. What does, okay. this look like? what does your life look like? Yeah. And then you start to see the difference in what their life looks like and everybody else. So basically exactly. it was being, it was being inquisitive. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, so tell us about your journey of going from, um, you know, figuring things out, having your daughter, um, you know, trying to see where your life is going to actually getting in the real estate game. What did it look like for you to make, you know, get to make your first purchase or actually get into the game? So for me, <laughs> it probably looked a little different than a lot of people. Um, so I said, you know, I had my daughter, my husband transitioned out of the, you know, from being in the streets to carpentry, but he didn't have any benefits. And it was important, you know, that we had real life benefits. So it was like, okay, Camille, what do you, what can you do to get one good benefits, but also be able to build, you know, yourself up on paper. So I became a correctional officer and I stayed in that field for almost 15 years. When I left, I was the um, director of training for their training academy. And in that time, that span there, I did, you know, several different things, continued to network, but it allowed me to buy a property. The first property that I purchased was actually the house that my grandma grew up in. Mm -hmm. When, as, you know, rewind a couple minutes back, when I said, you know, I had my daughter and I got ready to move out. And I asked then, can I have this house? It was just sitting near abandoned. You know, people will live there from time to time. I said, can I sit? Can I move in here? I said, I can move in here, um, not pay rent, but fix the house up. Mm -hmm. And then I could also save money. Then, you know, we could rent it out. We could have income coming into the family, yada, yada, yada. Shut down, shut down. House ended up almost falling apart. Was on share of sale for um, back taxes. Me, me and my husband paid the money to take it off for the air. And we had no money. Let's be clear. We had still no money to fix it up. We had no clue how to do it. But what we did know was that we could not let somebody else get their property because one, is something um, you know that was passed on, was able to be in my family for all these years that my grandma at that point was maybe like 75, 80, was raised in, was born in. So we knew we had to stop that, but we didn't know a plan except, you know, get it, secure it, pay the taxes. Mm -hmm. That was a plan. We did that. In the midst of that, we purchased another house. Um, I did subject two to get that house. I um, leveraged my personal credit mm -hmm. to fix it up. And it was like me, my dad, my kids, everybody was in there fixing up this property. How did you even learn about subject two? Like, how did you learn? <laughs> how did you learn? That's a strategy that a lot of people still to this day don't know how to use. How did you learn that strategy? I learned that strategy by um, YouTube University, reading, asking questions, I contacted the bank that held the mortgage and I harassed this lady for a year. <laughs> <laughs> for a year. I'm like, you know, y'all don't want it. And then it came to the point where, you know, we developed a rapport and a relationship. And she really, really schooled me on it. And she was from um, Citizens Branch out, I think Chicago. She was okay. in. Yeah. Out Chicago, so I learned, you know, learned that strategy before I even, um, while I was still going back and forth with her, we went down, got the house transferred into my name. I knew, you know, what liability I was assuming possibly, you know, that whole mortgage or a lien for that whole amount being put on here. But mm -hmm. because I developed a relationship with this banker and I was calling her literally every couple weeks, it, you know, let me know, gave me some insight, it gave me 
she educated me on things that people in our community never find out about. Mm. She not only helped me through getting that um, property, but just giving me the knowledge, a lot of knowledge that I'm now able to share with other people who might be dealing with um, tangled titles and tangled deeds and just not knowing how to figure it out and how to get started. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I got to give you credit too, because you were persistent in, in, in bothering her, right? So, you, <laughs> you the that you want. so we got to make sure that you know, we acknowledge that. Yeah. But, but taking a step back though, um, one of the great things about like hearing everyone's story is uh, everyone has their own unique journey to lead them to where they are. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so even with that transition into working um, as a correctionals officer, how has that shaped you today? Like, what did you learn from that experience um, that you bring with you today in your business. So what did you take from that experience? Mm, to be fair, firm, and consistent at all times. Mm. Whether I'm dealing, if I'm negotiating with a, um, a contractor, if I'm, you know, if I'm negotiating my, um, you know, the selling price for the property, I'm going to be fair. Everybody's here to make money. Nobody's here to volunteer. Of course, I always want the best number. But I'm going to be fair because that's the only way I'm going to get that best product. That's the only way that this wholesaler is going to continue to come back to me and give me good numbers. They're going to be willing to take that short where they might could make, you know, ten or $15,000 off this deal from somebody else. I'm going to be fair. So I'm going to make sure you eat. But, you know, we both want to eat. And when you get that next deal, I'm going to buy that too. I like that. Oh, be fair. Yeah. I'm, taking, I'm taking notes of it. Be fair, firm, <laughs> be fair, firm and consistent. I like yeah. that. That's, that's, I'm, you know, I'm firm. I stand on my name. I stand on everything, you know, that I do. I'm probably the sweetest person that you're going to meet, but I'm firm. This is, you know, what it is. It's ironclad is what it is. And I'm consistent. I'm the same Camille, whether you met me on state role as a, you know, a correctional professional. If you met me in the middle of a ditch, digging it because we got to get this new water line and it's not on the budget. So I got to put in some work. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be the same Camille. Man, I like that. Be fair, firm, and consistent. That's 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 firecore. Um, yeah. So so you learning how to do subject twos. You buying you you know you you stopping Granny's house. You you doing all the right things. Um. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your business now, the Legacy Builders. Tell us about like you know some of the things that you do. Um, what your business model looks like, and what are some of the things you're working on. So, um, Legacy Builders Management Consultant. We cover everything real estate. From like in the name, you know, consultant, if you need, I like to work with investors who are green, investors who might, you know, be taking advantage of in other places, because my goal is for everybody to win. If I feel like if I help somebody new that's coming into the game and I don't charge a million dollars, like literally I don't, I could charge so much more, but I don't because I know for me at the end of the day, when I'm going and you know how they say on obituary that, that dash Mm -hmm. I want that dash, my legacy to be something that's so beautiful and understood that the only way to do that is to help other people build their dash up, to build their legacy. So it's not about, you know, making a million dollars because the money will come. It just comes. Yep. But if I can help somebody get into their first deal, get in and get out of their first deal mm -hmm. and make a couple dollars, gain some knowledge, that's the only part of my legacy. So that's the main goal of um, my business and what my business strategy is surrounded around. And within that, um, we do project management, property management, 
we help you with everything that you need to do with the city. Um, as far as like, you know, getting your licenses, rental licenses, the new tech center, mm -hmm. just whatever you need, getting your commercial activity license, having an understanding, pulling permits. We do walkthroughs. We pretty much do it all. We do lead testing, lead certs. It's a one-stop shop here, again, because I want to make sure that the investors I work with receive everything they need and are not taken advantage of. I've seen so many people get taken advantage of. I was taken advantage of yeah. learning this real estate game. I know. I'm not going to say I lost any money because it's, it's never a L. It's always a lesson. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to be a little bit more affordable for people. Understood. Yeah, I wanted to be yeah. Affordable. Well, let me ask you this question, right? Considering you are in um, all aspects of real estate, what is your favorite part, right? Is it wholesaling? Is it flipping? Is it buy and hold? Is it the consulting? Like, what would you say is your favorite part of the real estate game, considering you do it all? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say consulting. I love being a part of helping somebody else's dream come true. Mm -hmm. That's like my favorite part. I love to talk. I'll talk to anyone. I love to share knowledge. But if I'm sharing it with somebody who's really taking it in and ready to execute, that's like my favorite part. That's what hypes me up. Yeah, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm calling them like I'm calling the people. I was calling the lady at the bank when I did that subject too, though. Yeah. Calling, like, did you do this yet? You ready? Because, you know, it, hype, it hypes me up. It ignites me. And it gives me the courage to just keep going. When something's not going right, you know, quite for me, because nothing is perfect out here. And it's like, dang. When, you know, when I help Miss Such and Such through that, when you know we had our series of consultations and she was able to get everything done on her task list if she could get through it i know i can mm -hmm. so that's what helps me that's what motivates me but i also like the buying whole aspect um i'm in a process right now of buying the block that i was raised on oh did you say the property or the block the block <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I yeah. slow that down yeah. so we can hear what you said. Yeah. I want to make sure. Everybody... Yeah, I want to make sure everybody can hear what you said. Not the property. Yeah, the not block. the property. The block. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations on that. And so, how did that come to be? Like, how did that become a thing for you? So, for me, when you know I was little, my street had it was community. I definitely better not have did nothing nowhere because anybody from that street or that community saw me. It was calling my dad. They were calling my grandma. We kept our streets together. We, um, you know, painted the curves. We hung Christmas lights. We did all of these things. And the violence, the drug use, none of that was as, as prevalent as it is right now. So I have an understanding that if we can help rebuild community and give that understanding of that, um, then that's just my little way of curbing what's going on in Philadelphia. I started buying my street because where else do we start at but at home? That's right. I know if I can go and, you know, rehab some dilapidated houses on the street that I was raised on and place good families in them, that's the first step to rebuilding community. Yep, absolutely. You know, you, you, you speak in like our language. We love to hear that. Um, mm -hmm. and so so in, uh, in, in terms of your team and everything, how is it now that, you know, you have a team you have to manage a team. What is that like? Um, having to you know, um, deal with that that kind of part of the business. So dealing with that part is, you know, it's difficult. It's a struggle because 
I go hard. A friend of mine, he was just someone that he was like, your stamina is like no other. I'm up to one, two in the morning and I'm back up at seven, eight in the morning sending texts and emails. And you be on the sites too, by the way. Look, y'all got y'all got to check her IG page. She be on site, like it ain't yeah. you know. She she ain't just from the bed calling page. She's on the site. <laughs> she, like she said, digging ditches, hard hat on. She's outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely there, and it's the one thing that's so that maybe this is something else that I also gained, you know, from being in the supervisory positions at the prisons where I dealt with a million different personalities. You have to lead your team, not just give direct not just give orders you have to be a leader and part of being a leader is them knowing that you're there with them like i'm here i got you it's 100 degrees i'm out here too i expect mm -hmm. you to do this because at the end of the day when friday come you want to get paid you expecting me to do you know my part so it's just about you know holding i hold everybody at a higher core everyone in my life is at a high standard everyone in my life must be doing something to attempt to level up Mm -hmm. is is no we, we can't get stagnant we can't get comfortable we have to keep going we have to keep going and once we get to that point where we think okay we're there we're at a good point that's when you reach back down and you pull somebody else up with you mm -hmm. so it's always work to be done it's always a team to be built a lot of people say well how do you have so many businesses or why because that's the only way that i continue to reach back down and pull somebody back up with me mm. is to keep growing Mm, understood yeah. understood so um you, you spoke earlier about like you know um having your baby at a young age like mm -hmm. how how um involved like or, or are you teaching them the business now or how's that work or you know do you just want them <laughs> to focus on school or are you showing them what you do or so, just example. i have two daughters um i lost my husband in 2020 beginning of the pandemic so now i'm a single mom something you know i've never experienced before and that again pushed me to go you know to a, just a whole higher level like i really really turned it all the way up at that point my condolences as well because that's thank just, yeah. yeah thank that's you crazy. so my oldest daughter she's going to college should i drop her off thursday on my birthday whoa that's a nice birthday gift right it is it <laughs> is but for me i allow my children i educate them with everything they see everything my youngest daughter, she could run the bird strategy down to you probably better than I can, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and she's only 10. She can't even have a conversation with somebody. I said, okay, you know what you're doing? Do you have your business? I'm getting ready to start this business. She, she's trying to start her skincare line. And she's with it. My oldest daughter, who, you know, I wish was a little bit more into what I do. She's an actress and she loves what she does. And I support her 100%. But I always still um, have her do different things in the business, have a different understanding. You're going to listen to this podcast. You're going to read this book. This is my expectations for you. Because though, you know, you're about to go to college now, and I'm I'm stressing the point of make sure you're getting a return on your investment. Mm -hmm. Because that's all I look at is their ROI. Oh, yep. Yep. That's all I look at. And this has been, you know, my mindset from a child. But I have to understand she's her own individual. But one thing I do know is how I ran away from the construction site at 14, 13, 14. Where am I back at right now? Yeah, it got you back anyway. There you go. I'm you back at it anyway. This wasn't planned. It just happened. Life happened and I ended up here. But I'm so thankful that I had the skill sets to be here. 
because people see me, especially new contractors, and if I'm like dressed or whatever, they you know they talk and I listen. I'm like, okay, and I, they think I'm just you know just this little girl. Then when I start speaking back to them, they have a clear understanding of who I am and mm-hmm. what I know that was installed in me early on in life. Even though I tried to run away from it, it came back full circle. So even though she's about to pursue, you know, her dream of, you know, being in the arts, she has that foundation to always come back to this. When it's time for me to transition and, um, you know, for my children to take over, they are a part of my succession plan. And that's something else is, you know, in my business that I help other um, small business owners set up is their succession succession plan. It could go either way. She has the the knowledge and the foundation to mm-hmm. run this business or she could sell and, you know, take her money from there and do what she has to do. But you know, what's powerful about this whole thing to me mm-hmm. is like you've laid the foundation to allow her to be in the arts. Right. And I think that's yeah. more powerful. Right? You talked earlier about how can you own your time? Yep. And one of the things that uh, Corey and I talk about often is that when you start to create businesses or, or, mm-hmm. or buy assets, you give the next generation the ability to dream, to to go into exactly. the art. You know what I mean? So that that's that's your work right there. So you should be very proud of that. You know. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and that's what I tell her. You know, based your life based on you know your income. My daughter is eighteen, and she has passive income coming in. Nice. It nice. passes right past me. It goes right to her, <laughs> and she could be on stage just living her living her life, living her dream. Absolutely. So, um. I got to ask you a question. I know Corey got a couple of questions, but I want to ask you a question specifically about the future of your business. Mm-hmm. So you told us about your journey. You told us about um, what you're working on now and some of the things you have. What does the future look like for you and your business? What do you see yourself doing in the future? So the future, and I'm only out about 10 years <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point, but the future of my business looks like me working in my garden at home while my businesses, you know, pretty much run themselves. My goal is always to get things to autopilot. So I'm going really, really hard. Right now, I consider myself in my grind phase. This shouldn't last no more than about five years. After about five years, um, the team that I'm building, hopefully will be at the point where everything that I have already going on, they can now, you know, run it and take over. And that's how that I'm looking for the transition in about five years from now, that five to 10 years from now point to where it truly becomes passive for me. Okay. And I'm owning a hundred percent of my time where now as a small business owner, I might be working 15 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to maybe be working two, three hours a day just because I want to. Understood. And you're you're putting those plays together right now as we speak. Right. Um, So, so Cor, I know you had some things you want to ask. I definitely do. Um, Camille, when when you're uh, out in the streets working with the people and trying to, you know, build your team, what's the most important characteristic of somebody that would be on your team? Honest. They have you have to be able to be honest with me. Okay. Like you have to. Um, this is really, really hard for me too, because like I said, I've been on a construction site in the job my life, so I curse a lot. So excuse me, some slip off. Oh, that's fine. Hey, listen. <laughs> no, no, no. This is your story. And we don't got no senses. Yeah, so you have to be honest with me. I, my philosophy is shit happens. Just point blank bottom line. But if you're not transparent with yourself and with me, we cannot figure it out. We can't work through it. 
if somebody comes to me at the last minute with something that they've been new about and we could have then, you know, tried to find a creative solution to resolve their issue. Now I have a problem. But before then, if you could be honest with me, you being transparent, number one, with yourself, because that's what it takes. Be transparent with yourself and then come to me and be honest with me and trust me, knowing that whatever it is, I'm going to try my best to help you. I'm going to tap into my network because I know somebody everywhere that does everything. And if I don't know them personally, somebody who knows me and trusts me as the woman I am that I see in my character knows somebody that can offer you some type of assistance or guidance. So for me, your yeah, honesty is the best thing. That's like number one. I could, I could teach you how to frame. I can teach you how to do data entry. I could teach you anything, but I can't teach you character. Mm -hmm. I can't teach you um, ethics. I can't teach you those things. So yeah. these that's the main quality that I'm looking for people to come on board with. That's really all I need. Mm, nice. And then, that's the, right, that's that's a bar right there, right? Because <laughs> we, we, we know you, you grew up in the shysties. Like, you grew up yeah. in those you, you know what, what shysty look like. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I smell it. <laughs> I grew up at 20th in York, so I understand. Oh, yeah, you right there. Yeah, I, I grew up in the in the trenches, just like yeah. you did. So I know what Shiesty look like too. So honesty is definitely a, a quality. Mm -hmm. um, and the other question I wanted to ask you is, in your, you know, in your attempt, and you're going to succeed to buy the block, but in your current attempts to buy the block, are people blocking that, or or is it just that you just need more time and you're trying to get, you know? Um, I can honestly say I don't feel any blockage. I'm on my fifth property in 100 and i was like hmm, you know i'm kind of getting kind of nervous i at first you know i tried to fade away and play but you know people out there everybody outside on the corners everybody sees what's going on so i continue to just be me i'm always going to be the same camille that i grew up with these people with i haven't you know experienced thank you know thankfully any hate or anything like that they're definitely there they're supportive what you need they helping me carry stuff in. Um, something goes wrong. I'm getting a phone call. Something looks fishy. I'm getting a phone call saying it was handled, you know, whatever it may be. So I definitely get the support from the community that I grew up with. Um, some of the other barriers that I might be facing, you know, same as always, as everyone else that's in this real estate game is finding the best interest rate. Mm -hmm. Finding an appraiser that's not going to do me dirty. I had an appraiser. Um, tried to do me like dirty dirty took like forty thousand dollars in equity off of three properties mm. yeah and it was a matter of having the knowledge and the understanding and the network to reach out like hey what's the best way to go about this because i didn't want to leave the lender because the lender rate was crazy it was beautiful so um it's those type of barriers but from my community within a whole i'm not receiving you know any pushback it's nothing but love and support so when you um when you when you on your long term strategy, which you're you're buying holds, do mm -hmm. you uh, use market tenants or section eight, or what's your strategy in terms of tenants? Okay, so my strategy in terms of tenants, I do I like retail and I like section eight. I like to have enough section eight um, income coming in to cover all of my needs. So like I just did a play for three. I'm like, all right, to cover um. The note for this, I need two tenants to be Section 8. That's my guaranteed money. We all know that's at a lower mm -hmm. you know, lower pole, but it's guaranteed no matter what's going on right now. We're Walmart about to close 173 stores. 
whatever may be going on with the um the families where they work at that we're housing in these lower income communities i know my note is covered yeah then i take one you know i took one and i put and all my stuff is nice i believe in giving um a luxury like feel to um homes for low-income families but this one you know i put a little little bit you know when it's a little bit extra seasoning on here and i went after a retail tenant and that's my cash flow got you got that's you. pretty much got my strategy and i just look at that you know as my portfolio in a whole section eight or some type of program government program to cover the note and then i'll go after a retail tenant okay nice strategy love it love it love it so a couple more questions before we get out of here right throughout this journey you told us your story and all the um, ups and downs and things that you have went through um what would you say is the biggest hurdle or something that you had to overcome to get you to where you are operating your business today what do you think that would be loss okay explain that to us uh the business um the business plan that i developed was based off of a two family you know two incomes it was based off of me and my spouse so like i, I remember i told you in the beginning yeah. i leveraged my credit score mm -hmm. to do you know their first property their first flip like i trashed it everything was paid on time so i knew at the end you know i could come back from it but it, it was bad and at that point i lost my husband who had the good credit score so you yeah. know like that was a barrier. The plan was always for me to leave the prisons. He was a um he was a one of the head contractors at City Hall. So the plan was always for him to be there. So we will always have that W-2 income coming in. That changed. It, you know, that changed abruptly. So I had to sit back and go back to the drawing board, like from, from the beginning, from nothing, to figure out how can I come back from that. So just being resilient enough and um strategic enough to develop a plan where i could still stay the course still meet you know my goals on my timeline based off of one where originally it was set up for two so you know and and that's tough man you know mm -hmm. all, all of us have suffered loss and, and, and but, but, but let me ask you this question because you know i lost my mother in the beginning of the pandemic but it taught me a lot about myself what mm -hmm. did your laws teach you about yourself um you know as you're going through that what did you learn about yourself i never knew i was this resilient like i never knew i always knew you know i was a little smart i could figure some things out but at the same time i was always kept my dad kept me and then my husband kept me it was a lot of things you know i, I didn't experience the honest to God truth, I had two kids. And I never even cleaned up vomit ever. Mm. Like ever. I never plunged the toilet. I never did just some of the basic things because I was always afforded, you know, the luxury to be considered a, a woman with, you know, just certain duties and just certain things I did not have to do. I never changed cat litter. It was certain things that I just, I never did. So it was, I might've been a little bit easier for me to develop a new um, business plan then to do those things, then to figure out how do, how do I do these things because this is all foreign. It was all foreign to me. But the part where I realized, like, no, you're really resilient. You can get through anything at this point. Is because I had to um, my home life as well as my business. All of these things had to be redeveloped at the same time. So there was no peace. 
I couldn't go to work, you know, for peace and quiet. I couldn't be home because everything was now scrambled. Everything was out of whack. And I'm very, very type A. So I like everything orderly and just an understanding of what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. It made me tap into some things that I did not know existed inside of me. It, it gave me a sense of, I don't give a, I, I don't care. Like nothing can hurt me now. So I feel like I'm, a, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a superhero or something out here at this point. What yep. can you do to hurt me? I've experienced everything. My whole life, like literally on all angles was shattered and I came back. I came back with a vengeance. What can you do to me now? Mm. What can be done? Nothing. My, my level of spirituality, you know, that elevated to something beyond, beyond words. And uh, congratulations, because you out here, like, you know, right. um, doing your thing and, you know, you've, you've definitely bounced from that. Let me ask you this, though. Um, I, I know that, you know, uh, BTS and Better Than Success has helped you along your journey. So, Absolutely. first of all, and, and, and shout out to Nicole. Um, yes, that's my girl. You know, we appreciate her. Right. How, has that, how has that helped you in your business, being a part of that network? Being a part of that network, um, and I knew about BTS, you know, before the pandemic, and for various different reasons, I didn't join. But when I joined, I was at the point where it was like, all right, I hadn't got out of bed yet. When my husband passed away, I was in bed for four months. And I hadn't got out of bed yet. And I would sit there and I would be on a group chat and, you know, we would do stuff online. And a lot of those members just hammering, you know, the obstacles that they overcame, mm -hmm. the things that, you know, they did. And then at some point I started coaching them and, you know, giving them advice and talking to them and they started elevating and overcoming their obstacles. And that like breathe, breath, breath, it breathed light into me. I don't think I'm using the correct verbiage. Hey, listen, we understand, <laughs> we understand exactly right. what you mean. We, we understand. Yeah. Like it, it gave me that, like, you know, like I, like I sucked it in. Yeah, and, and it helped me. It guided me a little bit more, a little bit more. I definitely can honestly say I would not be, you know, where I'm at right now if it wasn't for the Better Than Success Network. Nicole, when I say this, like my big sis, that's my real life big sis. I um, one, it was some something during Real Estate Week, and I won a thousand dollars, and it was literally at the point like I'm not about to do this. Ellen, I just gave me another fine. I got this. Um, I had a make safe. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I won that $1,000. And that $1,000 was the number I needed to finish paying an engineer for those plans. Mm. And from there, I started getting up. Man. So, yeah, we we'll definitely make sure we shout them out. Um, definitely. You know, I'm an executive with Better Than Success yep. Neo. So everybody watching, if you know you're interested in learning more about real estate, starting your real estate journey, um, you can follow me on social media, Legacy Builders MC. The link is in my bio for Better Than Success. Yeah, um, and we're gonna make sure we put all of your contact yeah. information okay. in the show notes as well as um you know below the video. Yeah. Um, so everyone can get in contact with you and see how you can help them um, with your real estate journey. Um. Exactly. Because, because you're definitely out here doing great work. And we want to make sure we, you know, tell your story and highlight. The last question I have for you is, mm -hmm. do you have a favorite book or something that's inspired you along this journey? I do. The Millionaire Next Door. 
Man, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you this question. I know I said that was the last question, but since you said the man next door, what was your favorite part of what did you learn from that book that uh helped and um change your and influence your life? That it's okay not to be a consumer. Mm -hmm. it, like it is really okay not to be a consumer. So many times, you know, especially in our communities, we associate success with consumerism. We associate success with labels. When I tell you I don't own not one label, not one. I shop at Walmart and Target, and you know I own my label. You know, there you go. I have that label, but I don't have one label. I drive a really, really regular car. I live really, really regular, and that's something that you know I got from that book. And it was always kind of my mindset, but to understand that it's okay. Yeah. That's where a lot of people, you know, they felt like we might know things, but having the sense of saying it's okay to live this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's what I definitely walked away with. Like, it's okay to live this lifestyle. There are very, very wealthy people, like wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people yeah. who are regular. And, you know, that's the most powerful thing to me about the book as well, because what I learned from the book is, especially someone who 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 works in data and loves data, right? I love, mm -hmm. I love real estate data every day, but data is my thing. And the book is based on data. So yes. what, it taught, what it taught me is that I was lied to my whole life in terms of what wealth looks like. Yes. I'm taught yeah. because of commercialism and consumerism that wealth looks one way, but the data shows something completely separate. Yep. That's not what the data says. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a, definitely a powerful book. Um, man, Camille, I don't know how to thank you enough because you've been very transparent in telling your story. Um, this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite episodes because of your story, right? Because of where you come from, the loss, the bounce back, like mm -hmm. all of this is very, very, very inspiring. And um, I can't say enough. Just thank you for your time, because you know, continue success. Listen, as you mentioned earlier, time is the most valuable asset, right? So yes. you giving us time um to come on and tell your story. We are very, very appreciative of this, and um, you know, um, and we just want to say thank you, and and we appreciate you. No, I appreciate y'all, you know, for sharing your platform with me for allowing me to just tell a little excerpt of my story because I never know how that can help encourage somebody else to get out of bed. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going to be here for four months, like literally. So if this helped one person get out of bed or decide that they're really, they're ready to execute to their next phase in life, then I'm happy. Like I'm elated. And, and listen, you have one person because I'm inspired right now. I'm like, I'm a superhero too. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean you can't bounce back? I'm bouncing. Yeah, yeah. like I'm a superhero too. So so you inspired me. So I'm pretty sure someone else will for this episode. So I just want to say thank you so much. Um, continue success. Like, you know, we'll we'll continue to stay in touch and build with you because we appreciate you. But uh um, any last words you have for our listeners or viewers out there? Nope. Buy the hood camp, by the way, for the kids is something like no other. So make sure y'all sign your children up oh, next year. Thank you. We, we, listen, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. And for our audience out there, um, make sure that you follow Camille on all her socials. We're going to put all of her links within the um, show notes um, as well as the description of this episode. So make sure you check out everything that she has going on to support her, share this episode. Um, and we love you guys. But as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game yes. elevates. And to our audience out there, like I said, we love and we appreciate you. And we'll see you guys on our next episode. Peace. All right.